0: The markets, we just can't get enough of them. Markets are the drivers of
1: your wealth and investment strategy.
0: Welcome to Magic Markets with your co-hosts, The Finance Coast and Mohamed Nalla. Together, we have more than 25
1: years of combined experience in the markets.
0: In addition to our weekly free show that you know and love, we have now launched Magic Markets Premium, a weekly show for our subscribers in which we give detailed analysis on global stocks. Every premium show is accompanied
1: by a report covering the company's strategic drivers, its operating environment, its competitors, bull versus bear case, technical trading indicators, and a long-term investment thesis.
0: At just 99 Rand per month, we are committed to making institutional level analysis affordable for all investors and traders. Visit magic-markets.com to go premium and unlock your full potential in the markets. Welcome to episode 85 of Magic Markets. Mo, you are still in Joburg. As confirmed, we just uh, recorded Magic Markets Premium and the hardy-dars got stuck in halfway, which is proof that you are there. So we'll see if they join us on this episode. And they will be our only guests today if the hardy-dars do pull in or perhaps my cat. Uh, It's uh, just me and you today and I'm looking forward to discussing some macro stuff. And then certainly some of the things we've seen out of Magic Markets Premium recently, you know, we cover these global stocks every week, and it's amazing to see the trends coming through these U.S. companies. And we're heading into a very busy couple of weeks of earnings. So there's going to be loads and loads of news around the U.S. market. Super topical from a macroeconomic
1: perspective. There's a lot going on out there. Yeah, Ghost, always a pleasure doing this with you. And, you know, sometimes it's nice actually not having a guest, no disrespect to our guests. We love having you guys on. Uh, but sometimes we we take stock of what's going on in the market. You know, what are some of the themes we've picked up in Magic Markets Premium? For our non-subscribers, you know, it's a real pleasure to try and share some of those insights with you. And you know, hopefully something there resonates with you. Hopefully you see the value in terms of taking what we discuss here and interposing that into your own assessment of how you view your own portfolio and stocks. It's all part of the knowledge building, putting in the right foundation. So Ghost, I like doing that because... When we discuss this, it's a live discussion. We're talking about this. And it also helps me crystallize some of my own thought process. Um, I want to say something about the Hadidas, though. I think that's really the sound. They, they're like laughing at us as the market sells off and we've got all it's like Hadida, you know, like <laughs> terrible impersonation there. But, you know, if we don't hear them, maybe it's a sign that markets might stabilize because it's really been a terrible, toxic couple of months. It's been difficult. We know you, the listeners, like us, are living through this market. We know it's been really tough. Uh, And this is when the rubber really hits the road. This is when you kind of shine through in terms of putting in place the right habits, the right Tools to assess and build your portfolio for the longer term. So, in fact, these are the times that separates the wheat from the chaff. This is what really makes great investors over the longer time. Looking forward to unpacking the macro picture and then how that plays into what we found in premium, as well as how we're viewing stocks going forward. There's a lot going on there, right?
0: Inflation in the U.S. is absolutely flying. There's stuff going on with the yield curve. We're seeing commodities do interesting things. Copper's taken a huge knock, which many see as a bit of a sign of a recession. You know, gold has taken a huge knock which many see as inevitable really or certainly that's what i see it now as um (laughs) but uh, from your perspective mo i mean you're the macroeconomics guy out of the two of us how are you thinking about what's going on out there and what are some of the key metrics that you think are important for our listeners to know off the top of their heads
1: yeah, I think I'm going to start off with uh, yeah, I'm going to ignore the gold jab, you know, I'm going to ignore that one, just duck and dive. Um, gold's actually held up okay if you compare to what's happened to other risk assets, you know. So I'm 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 going to keep that in the back of my mind. It's it's not there to just justify, hey, go long gold. I'm not one of those crazy gold bugs. I'm just saying for the role that it fulfills in my portfolio, I'm still reasonably comfortable. Let's unpack the numbers though. You know, we had first and foremost top of mind inflation out of the U.S. last week came in at 9.1%. And I was thinking, well, just add another decimal. It's 911. You know, call the emergency line. Holy smoke. Inflation at 9.1%, that's unheard of. Forget being in an emerging market. in In the U.S., you know these are multi-decade highs on inflation. You've got to go back to the early '70s and the late '60s to find numbers as high as this. Now, if you unpack that number, yes, a lot of it is energy. Uh, when you look at energy prices, I, I stand corrected on the number. It's it's, in, it's north of forty percent year on year. Just on energy. When you unpack that, you know, petroleum is a component, but remember the entire energy cluster moved with petroleum or crude prices. So you've seen natural gas, you've seen a whole bunch of that entire energy sector jump up. And that's contributing to this sustained and higher inflation because energy through transport filters through into generalized inflation. So that 911 number, 9.1% inflation in the US is big. If South Africa can sustain our inflation, around that 3 to 6% band. And when we're recording this, within the next day, and by the time we release the show publicly, the Saab will have weighed in on their next rate increase. We will have had inflation numbers out of South Africa for June as well. So keep that in the back of your mind, but the generalized trend has been higher. If South Africa can keep our inflation lower than what you're seeing in the US, that's actually a RAND positive believe it or not remember your inflation parity or interest parity relationships are usually the inverse of what you're seeing right now so i'm just throwing that out there let's go into and at the risk of a monologue here goes we spoke about rates moving higher in the us you've got your us 10 year that's been bouncing around the 3% mark and it's so uncertain because the market's hopping on one foot saying policymakers are going to give us you know it was 75 now they're going to give us 100 basis points and then you see the yield curve or the yield the 10 year let's pick one point ratchet up then people are saying, oh, that's going to be too much. And then the US is going to go into recession and the world's going to go into recession and that's bad. And then you see the yields pick back down again. So it's the the market doesn't know. No one knows. You know, anyone who tells you they know, they're lying to you. The fact is, we're live. Policymakers are looking at the same data you and I are looking at. It's just they're in the position to actually instigate or trigger the policy move. The risk right now, I think, is for them to maybe go a little bit too far, too fast. Uh, and I say that full well knowing that inflation's at 9.1%, bear in mind if you strip out food and fuel that are largely also being driven by the war in the Ukraine, for example, if you strip those out, Core inflation in the US, yes, it's high, it's around 6%, but it has tailed off a little bit in the most recent data print. So those are some of the macro things I'm looking at with regards to rates and inflation specifically that I think really underpins a lot of what you've seen in risk assets.
0: And that yield curve is what's causing havoc with equity valuations because people need to earn an equity risk premium over and above the risk-free rate. If the risk-free rate is one and a half or three, that doesn't sound like a huge difference. But by the time you factored that into what it does to equity multiples, that's why stocks are down 20% or more. In many cases, that's why long-duration stocks are down 40% or 50%, and the really bad ones are down 70% because their business models are breaking alongside the macroeconomic picture. So that's why
1: this stuff is important, and that's why it all adds up. Yeah, and I want to contextualize that. So when you say long-duration stocks, you know, let's unpack that for for listeners, right? When you're talking bonds, long-duration is generally tied to your maturity and your cash flows. So it's the same concept with stocks. You know, if you have stocks where your cash flows come through very much over the longer term, they're not as cash-gen, Those stocks tend to carry higher valuations. And so those stocks also tend to be hit disproportionately harder when you see the risk-free rate move higher. And that's also why you've seen this this divergence between what's kind of considered value in the market versus the high-growth stocks that really got ahead of themselves. Just something to keep in the back of your mind. I want to go to your yield curve point. And I want to point our our listeners who have only recently found us to an old show. So if you're on the website in the search function, go and search yield masterclass. You know, this goes way back, but it's where we unpack some of the concepts around why the yield curve is important for you, even if you're an equity or a stocks investor. So go and check out that yield masterclass. But a quick update on the yield curve is that Yes, we've seen policymakers move the near term, the short end of that yield curve higher by hiking interest rates. The long term, surprisingly, has remained kind of anchored. Long-run inflation expectations, you've got to watch those. Yes, they have risen, but they've not risen at the same pace or as fast as the short end of the yield curve has reacted. Now, what does this mean? Just breaking it down, it means that your yield curve is a lot flatter. If you look at all of the different maturities of, for example, the U.S., 10-year bond versus the two-year bond versus the five-year bond, the same thing in South Africa. That is the yield curve. And as that flattens, that has different implications. And in fact, we've just covered that in the Magic Markets Premium Show that we did on JP Morgan, on the banks in particular. So again, if you're not a subscriber, go and click on the link, go premium. We guarantee it will be the best 99 rands that you actually spend in terms of building your own investment knowledge and how you look at those stocks. Last point before we start getting into some of the key themes that we've identified ghost, copper is seen as a lead indicator for global growth. and we've seen copper prices come off very sharply. We've seen the whole commodities complex, which got very bulled up, start to curl over with the exception of energy, energy has been again, you know, tight supply in the market. it's curtailed by ESG factors as well. We won't go into that detail right now. But if you look at copper as a leading indicator, for the economy, and you couple that with the fact that if you look at yield curve inversion, and that is the gap between, for example, the 10-year point and the two-year point, some people consider, or even the the, the shorter than that, three-month point, some people consider an inversion of the yield curve as another risk flag for a recession. Uh, Do I think we get a recession or not? It's a big question. I think it's a moot point, and the reason I say that is technical definition of a recession is two consecutive quarters of negative growth. It does not matter. We have tough economic times with us right now. And so regardless of whether you see a formal recession or not, bear in mind the impacts that you're going to start seeing come through in company earnings, which we're going to unpack for you right now. Those are real and are going to be there whether you get the technical recession or not.
0: My related point, and we're doing JP Morgan literally this week in Magic Markets Premium, as you mentioned, by the time this show goes live, that show will also be available for our subscribers and for those who are you know, willing to give it a bash and, and see what's inside Magic Markets Premium. So capital buffers in banks, it's a really important point. It's linked to macroeconomics, actually, because it's effectively set by the regulators. And it's actually really interesting at the moment because they are turning up the heat on the US banks. They are making them hand on to more capital, which hurts a business like JP Morgan. It hurts all the banks actually because they're now forced to hold more equity. And this brings return on equity down because they can't just go and magically create more money you know, in their business. They're simply having to fund it with more equity than debt. So this brings return on equity down, but it also makes them a little bit more nervous to invest in what's called risk-weighted assets. So it makes them you know, change the asset mix and that can have unintended or perhaps intended consequences like fewer mortgage originations, for example, depending on how that gets uh, measured. So I guess my question to you is, is this a way for regulators to actually take some liquidity out of the system in a slightly hidden way, perhaps not as bluntly as increasing rates, for example? You know, what is the impact of this on banks typically
1: in in, in the context of the JP Morgan show that we're, we're about to release, basically? I think it's an excellent question, Ghost. And I think for those of us that have been in finance and banking for some time, you know, we, we've been aware of, you know, since Basel came about, and Basel's the regulation that governs, you know, how much capital banks need to raise. Uh, and post-financial crisis, there's Dodd-Frank, there's a whole bunch of regulation that's come in. I'm not going to go into the detail of the regulation. But what's actually happened is that policymakers have these macro prudential tools sets. So it's not just moving policy rates. They also get to determine how much capital banks need to hold against specific types of risks on their book. Now, we'll call it specific types of risks. But if you're a banker, you're looking at your mortgage product, you're looking at your credit card product, your autos. Uh, For example, something like prop trading or proprietary trading at banks was deemed exceptionally high risk post the global financial crisis in 08. And as a result, the cost of capital on those activities and sometimes private equity activities became so punitive that those businesses actually got spun out of the banks into little cottage industries. So keep that in the back of your mind. It can have a big structural change on how business is done. Going back to your direct question, Ghost, is this a policy tool to suck liquidity out of the system? You bet your bottom dollar it is. And it might not be as obvious as, hey, we're moving the risk-free rate up. Hey, we're moving the policy rate. It is a tool that the broader economy, the consumer in the street may not understand, but it filters through the transmission mechanism of financial institutions in how they allocate capital. So absolutely, yes, this is pulling liquidity out of the system. It's tightening the market, but also maybe wearing my tinfoil hat here, a little bit of conspiracy theory. Bear in mind, a lot of this regulation has come about in an era where governments are literally issuing billions and trillions of dollars worth of bonds. And those bonds are risk free rate. They are considered high quality liquid assets. So, if you need someone to buy your bonds and you're a government, hey presto, what do you do? You regulate your banks, you make sure they've got to hold a whole bunch of capital. And what do they hold that capital in? Well, they hold them in high quality liquid assets, which are government bonds. So, you create the buyer for the debt that government's effectively going to be creating on the other side. That's a macro dimension that might not be politically palatable, but you bet your bottom dollar again, that's what's effectively the end result.
0: Sen foil hats, Hardy does, uh, definitely going Mr. Bones here Mo we're gonna have to send you back to Canada as soon as possible. but no, I mean that's completely that's completely right. I think there's a lot going on in the background and, and yes, at the end of the day as the banks stop lending, then the knock-on impact becomes quite severe in industries like real estate. Uh, automotive, you know, anything that requires debt to buy it. In a time where money is cheap and plentiful, it gets fueled by that. And when money is not cheap and plentiful, then it gets put out by that effectively.
1: Because that's a phenomenal point. And I think now's really the time to kind of leverage off, you know, what are some of the themes that we're actually seeing emerge in Magic Markets Premium? You know, this filters through the financial system. It changes consumer behavior. And consumer behavior then changes how corporates react to that in terms of their own strategies. So maybe let's unpack, I would say, the top five of some of the key themes that we've unpacked. And this is important. It's across sectors. It's across companies in different sectors. So this really becomes quite important in framing where you want to invest and how much you pay for some of those investments. Ghost, why don't you take our listeners through some of the key stuff that stuck out for you? Yeah. So from our side, something that
0: we've seen in US consumer is the concept of direct to consumer. So D to C. And I mean, Mo, we both worked for a long time in banking. You for Longer than me because I also did a couple of years in retail, so I was very lucky to be able to actually see some of this in the back end at least, and it really is incredibly interesting. So, the whole push behind direct to consumer is to capture the full margin. I mean, it's it's pretty straightforward, right? If you're Nike and you manufacture a pair of shoes, if you sell that to Foot Locker, and Foot Locker sells that to Mo, then you know Foot Locker made a margin from Mo, and Nike made a margin from Foot Locker. But if Nike sells it directly to Mo, they get the entire margin. And they can even undercut Foot Locker actually, and offer special deals and encourage you to be a loyalty member and get the data on what you like. Whereas if you just walk into Foot Locker and actually buy the shoe, Nike knows nothing about you. So direct-to-consumer is wonderful for a number of reasons. Capturing the full margin, data mining, owning the customer experience, making sure they have a great experience. Someone walking into a Nike store you know what brand experience you are giving them. But someone walking into a Foot Locker store is not just getting the Nike brand, but all the competing brands as well. So it's not just Nike. We did Levi's in Magic Markets Premium last week. They are following a great direct-to-consumer strategy as well. And importantly, this doesn't just mean selling you jeans on an app. It means the corporate-owned stores as well. If you walk into a Levi's store, that falls under direct-to-consumer. So don't mistake direct to consumer as being equivalent to online sales. That's not true. It's also the bricks and mortar stuff. It just means owned by the manufacturer. So they capture the full margin from creating it in the factory through to actually putting it into your hands in a shopping packet. And one of the companies that we covered previously on premium is Lululemon. And they are the ultimate example of this space. Their business, which started out really as yoga wear, but actually created the athleisure market, they basically created this category of, you know, wearing comfortable clothes and it almost being quite trendy and, and upmarket. They built that whole business as direct to consumer from the start. And Lululemon is one of the very best retailers we've looked at so far, I think in Magic Markets Premium. There is a downside though, as much as you get a nice high gross margin, you also need to look out for the operating margin in some of these players, because it's expensive to run direct to consumer. You capture the full margin, but you're also capturing the costs of owning a store. For example, and that comes with return on capital considerations. It's expensive to roll out stores, it requires a lot of capex, and it also means you tie up cash in inventory. So that's another point I want to raise from the Levi's show, is Levi's free cash flows have taken a real nosedive because so much of the cash right now is being tied up in inventory. And yes, that's a function of supply chain pressures as well, but it's also just a function of owning the retail outlets. It really does put pressure on cash. So I think what I enjoy so much in Magic Markets Premium and the moral of the story here is it's not just great for your investment portfolio, but it's also a wonderful way to understand business models. I think we've covered enough retailers that if you just worked through the retail shows alone, you will come out as someone who would be able to have a dangerous conversation with someone who's worked in retail strategy for 10 or 15 years. I can confirm that because I've been there and I know what the stuff is. So it's, it's one of the things that just excites me about premium is the amount of time we spend on the business model, not just on the financial stuff.
1: Yeah, Ghost, I, I want to leverage off that point because we, we've covered the likes of Walmart, which listeners will be familiar with. You know, that's a global brand. We've covered the likes of Costco, which listeners might not be familiar with, but that's very similar to Macro, except it's not. And if you wanna know why it's not, again, go and subscribe. You know, we've got all of these interesting nuances where you might just see big box retailer and there are nuances underlying this that are tied to some of these points. You know, different players will approach their supply chain differently. Different players will approach their inventory management differently. They approach their D2C, as you mentioned, differently. And I think all of that's what comes out in the mix of, we can talk about macro until we're blue in the face here. Listeners need to understand how do I take the macro stuff? How do I listen to the news and see what's happening with rates and what's happening with supply chain? And this is what's different in the economy. How can I take that? and turn that into an investable insight? How do I take that and turn that into business intelligence that might be useful to me as a business person in a related or even an unrelated sector? So again, this is a shameless plug for why you should go and check out Magic Markets Premium. I give it a shameless plug because I honestly think it's the best value you're gonna find. I find value from it, and I'm an investment professional of multiple years. We've spoken to hedge fund managers. We've spoken to just general business people that are out there. Go and check it out. I want to move from that, Ghost, into some of the key themes because we're now going into a very earnings-heavy season in the U.S. In fact, as we're speaking right now, post-close, we're going to get Netflix. I'm still holding that can because I bought it before we covered it in Magic Markets Premium. Uh, No surprises there. If I would listened to Magic Markets Premium, maybe I wouldn't be holding the can. But there's a lot of stuff going on. There's a lot of cost pressures that are coming through. There's there's the, the supply chain stuff that's coming through as well. And I'll start off here, Ghost. You know, something that we've spoken about on this show is we've spoken about inflation. So I'm gonna circle back to that and say, what I'm watching is businesses we've seen have been facing labor cost pressures. They've been facing this, this wage price spiral is something I'm watching from a macro perspective. Labor thus far has been able to demand higher salaries. If that filters through into sustained high demand, It's okay for the top line, but that's going to come through in terms of the prices that get increased again. So I'm watching from a macro perspective for something like a wage price spiral, which is very front of mind for me. And not
0: just wages, but all expenses, actually, because it just is such a knock on effect. And one of the things I'll be looking for is this concept of JAWS and especially negative JAWS. It's actually a banking term. It doesn't seem to make it outside of that sector, but it's useful in any analysis. And JAWS is just the difference in growth rate between effectively your net income And your expenses so if your expenses are growing faster than your net income guess what your margins are going the wrong way simple as that and a lot of negative jaws is happening right now it sounds like a shock and in negative jaws maybe it is a bit of a shock because if that keeps happening your margins drop your profits drop and guess what your share price is going to drop as well so i think there's going to be plenty of negative jaws coming through The companies that can achieve positive JAWS will probably be rewarded by the market, or perhaps not, perhaps just thrown out with the bathwater, and that's where your opportunity sits to take long positions in a market like this, because it shows those businesses firstly have pricing power, they can pass the pressures on to customers, and secondly, they are managing their costs very well, and those are two wonderful attributes of any business.
1: Yeah, spot on, Ghost, and and, and you know, the other thing that plays into JAWS and the cost pressures And the fact that, you know, you can't sell enough product, maybe because you don't have enough product is, you know, something like inventories. And we've covered this for me on supply chain. You know, again, for listeners that have just found us, we brought in an expert, uh, the CEO of DHL Eastern Europe, and he came and he spoke to us about supply chain. So again, go into the search bar on the website and search supply chain, and you'll find that particular podcast. This is one that sits outside of premium. So you can, you're free to go and listen to it if you've missed it. But why am I raising this now? Is that Supply chain, I'm not talking about the near-term impacts, I'm talking about the long-term strategic impacts. What does onshoring mean? What is that, which industries are gonna onshore to the US? Is it just the US or is it also associated allies? You know, if you if I try and blend this into the macro story, we had Joe Biden flying to see Saudi Arabia and he met the crown prince. Remember, he made this part of his campaign speech to say, Saudi Arabia will become a pariah state. And guess what? The world shifts underneath your feet. Now you've got an energy crisis and the U.S. president flies to Saudi Arabia and fist bumps with the crown prince. So what does that actually mean? Does it mean that supply chains get onshore, but to the U.S. and their allies? What does it mean in terms of which industries should we be investing in? Because it's not necessarily just The ports and the logistical pipelines and so forth. If you look at, I read something fascinating about energy. And if you're looking at the energy transition that's happening globally, what about the stuff that's downstream? The stuff like who manufactures the transformers? Who manufactures the transmission lines? That's where the value comes about, even in Magic Markets Premium, because it might not be the stock that we're covering. It might not be the headline stock. You know, again, for those of you that sit on the outside, you might see a headline that says, Hey, this week we're covering JP Morgan. Sometimes our thesis doesn't lead us to a long or a short on JP Morgan. There's a competitor section. And in there, we start to find really interesting companies and nuggets that might be the cause for further research, either in Magic Markets Premium or by yourself personally. So that's what I'm looking for, Ghost. I'm saying supply chain, associated industries, and where you want to play in the value chain has really been one of the key takeaways for me over the course of the last few months. It's not as obvious as the headline stock that you're covering.
0: And most something I wanna to touch on before we wrap it up here is, is you know, such a great example is JP Morgan, because you can do a piece of research on JP Morgan, and actually what you learn through the process is what's going on in discretionary consumer spending, because the banks hold the keys to that. They literally hold the keys to that. The money flows through the banks, so they know they can see it themselves and they'll report on this. Not all of it, obviously, they don't give you all the details, but they give you enough to be interesting. For example, they talk about how dining and travel spend is up massively year on year. And that's good news for anyone who's holding tourism type stocks, you know. And here you learn it from reading a banking report and nothing else, which is, you know, really interesting and useful.
1: Yeah, and I'm, I'm jumping up and down because, again, a stock we had covered way back when in Magic Markets Premium is Visa. So again, when you read through the bank's earnings and you read where the activity is stronger and where the activity is weaker, that's gonna lead you to an investment thesis on, should you still be optimistic on Visa or should you be pessimistic on Visa? So the value comes through in that mix and that's the reason why I goes so I'm gesturing to you wildly is that Visa, incidentally, is a stock that from when we covered in Magic Markets Premium is actually gone up marginally while the rest of the market's actually gone down 20 to 30 percent so sometimes the value is not just in where you want to buy or where you want to sell it's also maybe where you want to hide as the economic cycle moves around you and upsets the Apple cart
0: Mo two more points and then I think we need to call it a week so the first one is we recently introduced an annual package for magic markets premium so those who want to uh, you know it's not often that you get a guaranteed return but here's one for you you pay for 10 months and you get 12. So that's a guaranteed uh, guaranteed little return there. You get two months free on your money. So that's 990 bucks for effectively the year, or you can carry on at 99 Rand a month if you would prefer to just see how it goes, that's completely fine. And the other important point, you, know, you might be listening to this podcast on our website or you might be in your podcast player of choice. And one of the cool things with premium is every single subscriber gets a unique RSS feed link that they can use to subscribe to the show in your podcast player. So obviously you won't find the premium show in your player right now because otherwise you can get it for free, which isn't a great business model for us. But once you are a subscriber, you can basically add it to your podcast player. Unfortunately, with the exception of Spotify, they don't allow this. And that makes it very easy to listen on the go, and then the detailed report and the podcast, if that's what you prefer to listen to it on the website, you know, is all on the website and, and there for you to engage with in detail while you're at work or one evening, whatever the case may be. So yeah, we're very proud of Magic Markets Premium. Uh, we always suggest it to our listeners. It's really our best work. It's at a very affordable rate and it's full of insights and we're looking forward to another earnings season out of the US that we can just add to those insights. And hopefully this market starts to turn. Not sure we're there yet, but we'll see how we go. And then those who have been listening to Premium for a long time will have their shopping lists ready, which I think is is fantastic.
1: Yeah, Ghost, that's, that's spot on. And unfortunately, that's what we have time for. So for those of you that are subscribers to Magic Markets Premium, again, thank you for being with us. We know you enjoy it because you send us all that feedback that we get. So we're very grateful for that. It keeps us going. It keeps us motivated to keep on doing what we love. Uh, for those of you that haven't yet tried it out, again, like Ghost said, there's the annual package if you want the discount, if you want the deal. Uh, but if you're uncertain, go and check it out for 99 bucks a month. I, I've just come back to South Africa after three years away. I'm, I'm here on a visit. I've noticed that that's basically two coffees. Uh, so if, if two coffees is worth checking out what you can find and there's an entire library there. If you subscribe now, you get all of the previous shows as well. Go and check it out. It's only 99 bucks. If you don't like it, you can always unsubscribe and then send us the feedback. The product's evolving with feedback from our subscribers. We really value that. Ghost, that's all I've got from my side. Until next week, same time, same place.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And Mo, if you're paying that for two coffees, I'll bring you your coffees because you obviously tip very well. So it's three coffees for most of us. No, I'm just kidding. To our listeners, thank you. We'll see you next week. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not financial
1: or investment advice. Please, Speak to your personal financial advisor